Hello. How's it going? Bad. I found a couple of groshes in the fridge. Grosh. That's old I mean, Don't mind a bit of grosh. Grosh in a long time. Yeah, it's underrated. It's a, it's a good. Um, I think I literally tweeted that in Dutch yesterday. I think grosh is underrated. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit. It's, you know, it's a much more interesting beer than a lot of those green, green bottle, um, international beers. I'm not even just drinking it because, you know, if I'm already buzzed, I don't really want to waste expensive craft beer. I, I have to say, I've lost the ability to drink a little bit over the last month. I had three drinks last night. Oh, I felt fucking rat shit this morning. Three drinks. Probably you dehydrated yourself over the previous yeah, t- that's twelve true. hours. Yep. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? That is true. Anyway, shall we talk about the albums from last week? Because I have a, I have a sort of overarching thing about them. You have a grand unifying theory. All right, this should be interesting. Yeah. I have, I- <laughs> was it that you hated them, or was it a little bit more intellectual? Than that? No, like no. I thought all three albums were good, competent um, expressions of the genre. Right? They worked in the like, context that they that they were from. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like the, the, but but they were not they were not bad albums. Like they were they were well made. We're the not naughty albums. Good. Go to your room. Albums. They're not. Yeah, they're not. You don't sort of like even like even that last little Sims album, right? Like it, it just it's so flawed. Like I, I wouldn't call any of these albums flawed. I also would say that they have degrees of listenability. Like <laughs> I enjoyed. Well, well, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Like there was three distinct tiers of how much I enjoyed listening to them. But if I actually went back through and like, because I went back through and listened to them again today, and like, I actually think they're they're made at the same competency level. Yeah. It's just my musical tastes determining which of these three albums I like the most. It's your mileage may vary. Actually- it's it's your level of particular yeah, interest yeah. in that sort of, you know. But, it, but none of them were none of them were badly made. It's just whether they were, you know, whether they're of particular interest to you. However, I also think that none of them, like for, well, like that Sims album, is in some ways deeply flawed because it's reaching so fucking hard for something. And yeah. failing badly, and none of these albums are reaching hard for anything. I don't think. Well, I think you're certainly not going to accuse the Gorillas twenty years into no. their career of doing anything. Should we start with them? Look, I, I actually enjoyed this a lot more than I thought. I, I thought this was okay. Um, I, th- I thought it started promisingly. It had that kind of disco funk opener with the Thundercat yep. guesting. There's a lot. There's a bizarre selection of collaborations from Thundercat, Stevie Nicks. Well, I actually Beck, thought the Stevie, the Stevie Nicks song was the most like that was the song I enjoyed the most. I didn't. Uh, I, I couldn't work out what she was doing in it. Like I, it was just you, she didn't really seem to be doing much at all. Um, no, Beck is in there. Bad Bunny's in there doing fucking horrible reggaeton shit. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think much of the Stevie Nicks bit to be honest, but um, oh, but money so I can make the joke. The Nicks were terrible. Dude, we got a reputation to uphold. Oh, oh, do we have to be Australasia's most Stevie Nicks positive NBA Jason podcast as well? I don't, I don't think that's an hour remit. The, um, the collaboration that kind of explained this album to me, though, I think, was the one with Tame Impala. Because it, it was a very kind of late era Tame Impala song and kind of... And then kind of soft shit and all that. Yeah, what Tame Impala do? <laughs> Uncanny. Instead Uncanny. of doing interesting fucking um, psych, you know, psychedelic rock the way they, they did when they started. Um, 
But then I kind of realised that a lot of the rest of the album kind of sounds like late-era Tame Impala. Um, and it's all, all relatively pleasant and inoffensive, but um, it kind of says it raises the question, like, well, what's this for? What, why was this album made? It's, the thing is, the Gorillas... Well, Gorillas felt like a paradigm change when they first dropped. That kind of, you know, the fact that they were animated characters and, you know, officially they were like NFTs, you know, 20 years early. I suppose part of that is because of the era, because the idea of taking the lead singer from an alternative rock band and some rappers and I think, you know, the basically engine room from Talking Heads were involved in songwriting as well. Uh, that was, you know, um, transformational in 2000. But now it's nothing of the sort. And I suppose you can say that about a lot of paradigm shift acts 20 years after the paradigm shift is they're no longer, you know, that they had the, they were the kind of, a lot of them were one-trick ponies. And I feel like Gorillaz kind of were as well. The problem is that all of all of the Gorillaz stuff, because this is the first album that, that's dropped after that really famous tweet about Gorillaz. And I can't not think about Flimsy Steve when I hear a, any kind of Gorillaz track now. You know the Flimsy Steve tweet? No, this is the one that, that I think it's right. been deleted, but it's been kept on the internet. It was one of those ones that when um, when Twitter was going to die you know, earlier in the year, someone said, okay, everyone put out your, your favourite tweets and someone put forward Flimsy Steve. And it's the one where it says, uh, guest rapper on Gorillaz song. I've been in ends since 10, kicking product around the bed. My mum died of tuberculosis. I'm slipping into psychosis. Damon Albarn on the chorus. Ooh, Flimsy Steve, where have you gone? Where have you seen? And it's like every fucking Gorillaz song is that. It's just some terrible raps, the worst raps you've ever heard. And then Damon Albarn just gurning some shit in kind of a massively stoned voice, and it's and it was, that was 2021 that that, that that tweet came out, and uh, it's cooked gorillas for me because that's what we've got. There was a whole lot of there was a lot of flimsy Steve. Admittedly, it was flimsy Steve out front of Damon Parler, but yeah, flimsy Steve. Where did you go? What have you seen? Well, Hashtag Doc reads tweets. This is the sort of album where it's like, yep, uh, yep, I enjoyed it, and it's disappeared into my revision mirror and I'm not even going to, like, this is not going on my short list. It's not going on my long list. I will not think about this album ever again. Uh, I don't even think I would add a song to any of my playlists. Like, nothing grabbed me enough to to do that. Maybe the first track, maybe, just because Thundercat does his best, but yeah. Yeah. I don't don't really want to hear any more of this and it's disappointing, but kind of what I thought would happen. So when I when I went to this uh, when I went to my conference a couple of weeks ago, and you know this is all all my fellow travellers in 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 my industry that we all sort of work together. Other forty something drunks. <laughs> I have the reputation for being the, for being the worm guy because I'm into all the home compostable stuff and I know about worms and worm tests and and how thing how packaging breaks down in worm farms. And I, was, I thought that was because you do the worm on the dance floor whenever you've had like no. six beers and they start playing Stevie Wonder from 1976. No, so um, that that's about as much as I can relate to the uh, the shame album. <laughs> Is the thing. Food for Worms was the, was the the shame album. Was the title. Uh, didn't really like this. Uh, th- I thought the band was good. Just the voice. It, it's one of those ones where the voice just does it for me, and I can't really get like Adderall is probably the name of the, it should have been the name of the of the uh, the album because it just it just 
felt like he was taking a drug that I just didn't enjoy taking. Yeah. They're, um... They're kind of doing that kind of grim, discordant, anarcho-punk that, you know, the Viagra Boys and Fontaine's DC and, you know, even maybe Idols do. And they're kind of, I'm angry! Um... It's not much fun. It, it starts okay, but it just wears. It's just it wears. That's I don't want to be like, shouted at by you. It, 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 they do do dashes of like nineties post grunge indie kind of stuff, but it's just none of this is fun. It's not fun. Why are we here? Stop it. Cut it out. Go do something else. And so ends our review. That means the bed can be short. Music, 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 music. Death Valley Girls. Like yeah. Where have have you sort of been into their stuff? For, like, is this the first album, second album? I don't think it's their first album. No, I'm pretty sure they had an album out 2020 that I oh, yeah. shortlisted no. but didn't pick. 2018 um, and 2020. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of doing kind of mystic dream pop psych soundscapes with lots of 60s R&B and soul influences. All their songs basically sound the fucking same, but. Generally, it's, and this is this is probably my fa- my favorite album of the week because it's easily mine. It, it was less it was less obnoxious and 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 it just kind of the vocals are a little bit sort of um, a quiet chanting while you while you are being sacrificed to a demon. Um, it is a little <laughs> bit kind of gothic horror, but yeah, yeah. It's it, it the songs themselves. You know, if you can sort of set aside the fact that you you know clearly in some sort of um, Pasolini film getting knocked off. Um, this was certainly the most pleasant experience of, of the three for the week. To me, it felt like I enjoyed listening to the whole album as a complete thing. Like, and I, I mm. guess the sameness of those songs, but to me, the sameness of the songs lent itself to being an album that flowed from one track to the other. And, and yeah. they were all yeah. sort of pieces of the whole rather than 12 singles that had been written and put together. Um, Nothing worse than having pieces in your hole. Yeah, that's true. I really like this. I, I I think this is an album that could grow on me quite a bit over the year. This is definitely going in my... This is sort of one of the first ones that I'm excited to revisit again somewhere down the track. I, I dug this. Um, I, I'm not expecting this thing about this album again at any point in 2023. <laughs> but, you know, it, maybe it'll surprise me. Yeah. But I think I've, yep. I've enjoyed the journey so far. I think you, you always hate the first part of the year, and you always complain that, you, that every album you've picked has been put, and you hate every album. And I've, I've got like two or three albums already that I that I that I might see in my top twenty. So I'm comfortable with that. I'm yeah. not looking for new friends, as somebody as as one of my friends was told by a girl who was breaking up with him. <laughs> That's the uh, the classic uh, Dylan Moran rant, rant, isn't it? It's like. All these fucking parents at school want me to be their friends. I don't want any new friends. Let's go away. But in a much more Irish way, I guess. Yes. Uh, uh, look, it was it was an oak. It was. Uh, I, I thought all three albums had something to give, and I enjoyed them in in levels. There was nothing there that I was like, oh fuck, I don't want to. I don't want to bring this one up again. I guess the the Worms album was a bit like I'll listen to it in chunks to see if there's anything more because. That, that does drag on you a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty good. What do you got for this week that is a new? Let's look at a band called Westing, which is a, I believe they have a bit of a, uh, they have a link to all them witches who 
did the album oh, that yeah, never I was. Like Remember, we tried to, we tried to do one of their albums, and it turned out it was just the fact that they'd released a single every week. Um, but one of the members of this band was all them witches, and they, they played. But I think they're a little, little bit less psych and a little bit more kind of throwback seventies sort of classic sound stuff. But um, uh, yeah, so the band is called Westing, and the album is called Future. The children are our future. Future, future, children, children. What is your album of next week, Mr. Bisley's? I really wanted to pick the Earth Boy album, but uh, I've had a bit What's of a listen to you? it. Oh, no. <laughs> I've had a little listen to it. Oh, no, no, we, I, no we, have to, we have to be kind of Earth Boy. He, yeah, I don't, I don't want to drag someone that I, I really, really like. So oh, because that's never happened on this podcast. How did, we've, we've never had a situation where we were, where one of us got drunk and was mean about Birth Boys album. Uh, it wasn't him, folks. Jesus Christ, I don't know. I, I'm not tempted at all to pick the uh, the Slow Tie album, which is getting fucking reviews from everywhere and it's just what is going on with people i do not understand this the the guardians the guardians guy alex fucking petritus the same guy who put you know kendrick and beyonce one and two in in their their you know top albums of the year list uh alex petritus of the uk guardian gave slow ties album five stars I'm trying to work out whether what makes the UK Guardian worse. Is it the fact that they're incessant fucking anti-trans abuse or is it the fact that they stand slow tight? I think both are crimes against humanity in general. So yeah, yeah. There was a Brisbane rapper that I thought was pretty interesting, but it's so auto-tuned, it's, it's unlistenable. So I'm going to go with uh, American country punk soul band called Lucero. L-U-C-E-R-O. He's from Memphis, so maybe he's friends with Jar. <laughs> Lucero. Yeah, should have learned by now, which could be could be the byline <laughs> for me picking music on this podcast. It could well be. May I do the uh, – may I have the honours? The, yeah, the uh, Joker. Given that you were struggling like a bastard to find an uh, album. Just, yeah, like the – there's a couple of legacy acts that sort of look interesting, and it's just like, yeah, I, I, I know that it's going to be okay. Like, um, uh, like a couple of solo. Who was it that I was looking at? Uh, Jen Clower's got an album out, and uh, there's another female Australian songwriter that I thought looked all right. It's just like, it's a, you're very nineties. Anyway, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, you're trying to escape your fucking past. That's the problem. (laughs) The Super Jesus have probably got an album out pretty soon. Um, I'm going to go for (laughs) – I don't know why I'm doing this. I was trying to pick between two two jokers, but since you've picked a kind of a country Nashville kind of thing, I'm going to lean towards the other one, which is Steel Panther. The world's worst. The world's worst fucking hair metal band. Yeah. They they single on Tondra like literally. I think song one is like it's it's a nice and good night to get some pussy or something like that. It's like so even Nashville pussy look look fucking demure by by comparison, but it is it is perfect Joker spec because it is it is not an album that you would pick for yourself. It's an album that you need to hide behind a shield. Um, but they are apparently extremely good at what they do. So, um, and I feel like this is a. <laughs> This is a good match for our um, our Nashville and our um, 
Well, I'm pretty sure um, all them witches are from Nashville, so this is a, a good a good kind of this br- drags it closer to, to kind of L.A. or Las Vegas. Yeah. So we have Luciano, uh, Westing, and Steel Panther. Hey, I just had a little interesting musical uh, story from this week. So Curtis is a big fan of the song "The Passenger" by Iggy Pop, and I was like, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure the passenger was on one of the Batman soundtracks, but I didn't think it sounded like that version. Like, did he pop to a different version for the soundtrack? And it turns out that Michael Hutchins had covered the passenger for the Batman soundtrack. But then this even stranger thing was I dialed the Batman Forever soundtrack up on Spotify and three quarters of it's grayed out. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on there? Because surely that's a, like, Warner Brothers owns all the rights to, you know, it's not like it's a very indie sort of small uh, record label that brought, that brought out that that compilation album, right? You know? You, yeah, but but it would have been a whole bunch of artists who were actually signed to different labels. And then they, they probably- they The rights probably existed. Well, they pro- the rights probably existed for the recording, but not for streaming, because streaming didn't mm. exist in 1997 right. or whatever it was. But, but talk about an interesting collection of artists on this soundtrack, right? Because this is back in the day where, you know, people- Is this the one with- uh, is this the one with uh, Hold Me Through Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me? Yeah. So it starts That's with- That's one of the best- I think that was one of the ones that we marked out as being one of the best soundtracks of all time. Yeah, uh, it's, along it's with, awesome. You know, Judgment Night and Spawn and all those ones. So it's got U2, PJ Harvey, Seal, Brandy. Okay, well, they're, you know, that's pretty popish. And then you go into Massive Attack. The Offspring are on there. The Offspring, Nick Cave. Yeah. Well, a really good version of fucking Smash It Up. Um, yeah, one of the best, one of the better things that the Offspring did there that stage in their career. This is '95, I think. Yeah, uh, Batman yeah. Forever. Um, yeah. uh, Mazzy Star. This is the Val Kilmer one, which was actually not that bad. Uh, Method Man, Michael Hutchins, The Devlins, and The Flaming Lips. Like, okay, The Flaming Lips That's- have done more stuff than you'd think. You think they're completely yeah. obscure, but they they often pop up on stuff. So anyway, I, I played the soundtrack for the boys because I was like, I'll. Like, and Charles is sort of explaining because because we've been talking a little bit about soundtracks versus uh, scores, right? Because uh, I've been playing them lots of sort of concert band or film scores because they're you know all playing yeah. two instruments now, so I'm trying to give them interesting sort of uh, role models to look at, right? Because when I I remember not Miles Davis, bad role well, model. Well, when when I learnt the flute in high school, it's like it was the most boring fucking instrument, and there was no interesting music. Like there was no uh, like Wellington trumpet bands or anything to sort of grab onto. Just like oh, I can I can try and. I mean, newsflash, there still isn't. I mean, who's your role model for the flute? The fucking sample they use in Sure Shot or that Beastie Boys track. Even that would have been. That would have been cool yeah, if I could have played, like if someone had shown me that to learn, like I think it would have kept me a little bit more engaged. Um, so there's actually a symphony orchestra that goes around playing film scores and sort of uh, doesn't just play the film score exactly how it is in the film. They sort of weld the whole film score into like a 15-minute piece, you know, that flows. Uh, and so, yeah, like 
playing that and then playing the soundtrack and it was like a really interesting juxtaposition and i was like what a weird mix of fucking artists but the whole thing works as a something to listen to right it's it i don't know why because it's such a disparate sort of collection of artists but especially in 95 like i wouldn't have thought mazzy star or uh was nick Cave big in 95 i don't think he was a yeah, yeah, that was straight after um, the collaboration with Kylie. That was probably mm. the biggest Nick Cave ever was. Okay, right. So that, then he, he probably- Because everything goth was quite big in like 93, 94 anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that was also the era that the, the- And we've talked about this previously too, that the- Particularly on our soundtrack special, which I think was like- uh, Might have been episode 300 or episode 250, something like that. Um the soundtrack was part of the marketing for the movie. And That's right, yeah. they would deliberately embed these big singles into the soundtrack in order for the video to the song to promote the movie. So uh, this is not organic. This is no, extremely was, planned by, by the company. Highly, yeah, highly sort of, you know, you wanted to tie in that, that U2 yeah. riff with a certain part And that's of it. why you have everything from Seal to U2 to fucking The Offspring to Massive, Massive Attack, Attack on that. On that, on that, that they're trying to hit everybody. I sort of feel like I want to go back and watch the movie just to – here where it's shit. Yeah, the movie, the but they movie, all were. All but, the movie wasn't particularly this good. The, this is the thing. I don't care about fucking you know everyone loving on Christopher Nolan. All Batman movies are shit because Batman's a shit character. He's just a fucking shit character. He's just a fucking rich cunt who goes around punching people who are, who are poorer than him. He gives a fuck. The, the Nolan, the this film symphony orchestra though, they do a ten minute version of the Nolan <laughs> score. Got a bit gravelly there. <laughs> we're we all going to talk like this. Yeah. Right. Welcome back to Tommy Rodonica's <laughs> hour. <laughs> can't help but channel my inner Batman. Cattle um, dog. Um, it like the the score. Oh, Flimsy Steve, where have you been? What did you see? The Zimmer score is just amazing. Like it, it works so well. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh, but we were sort of talking about a little bit like um, you know, women now if they want to be an athlete can be a professional athlete. Like. I was sort of showing them. As, yeah, it's disgusting, yeah. isn't it? They should stay in the fucking kitchen. Is that what you're no, uh, it was more like, you know, because they were saying, you know, if you wanted to be a musician, like how, how do you do it as a career path? And I'm like, well, this is one of the ways you could do it, right? There's these orchestras and they, you know, whether they're playing the sort of normal classical music or whether they're doing this sort of stuff, like that there is a pathway for, for this sort of thing, so... There's a few a few people from the sort of the '90s Australian indie kind of circuit who have gone into that and have gotten really big with it. I'm trying to think who it was. One of the members of Rocket Science might be in that situation, right? And there's one other that I I, I can't remember, but yeah. Well, like good what, content. What about um, uh, Trent Reznor? Like he's essentially the second part yeah, of his career. Essentially, is, that's what he's doing it, these days. Is, yeah, yeah, like he is. Well, he is like one of the most predominant soundtrack guys now what that that's his thing you know if you if you've got an interesting sort of twisted movie that's the guy that you that that you call up yeah you're not doing it for Stuart little fall <laughs> no <laughs> they, unless the mouse has, has developed a meth habit and you know is wearing a lot of eyeliner um anyway all right doc that that was my little sort of after dark after dark on the music side it was still pre-dark. It, it's, it was still in the podcast. What are we talking about? Um, cool. All right. 
That is the end of this episode of Tripping Balls, our music podcast. Next week, we'll be back with other albums. Until then, Flimsy Steve, where did you go? What have you seen? See you, Doc. going to try and be good and send you some links this week just for shits and giggles I'm, i generally find them i know if I'm yeah, bullied, unless i just unless i'm not interested in putting right. them in people can google that who gives a fuck you, you'll link this up in the show notes and doc's like fuck well, fuck off i will uh yeah. Have a listen to. Um, I just I just went to search for Steel Panther and it tried to give me sticky fingers, which I think is probably the same kind of fucking. Um, that the previous album was where Sticky Fingers balls out, which has a girl in a bikini dangling some balls around her crotch. All you can eat, which seems to be a, a rip off of the Last Supper. Jesus Christ, what have we done here? Oh dear. Never too late, parentheses, to get some pussy tonight. <laughs> Put my money where your mouth is. Magical vagina. I guess that's, you know, not even single on Tundra. Have you, you, you oh, have this is, is going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun. Don't play this to your children. You haven't, um, you haven't watched any Letter Kenny, have you? Uh, I wouldn't even know what fucking service it's on, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know what it, what it is. So that they introduced a character in the last couple of seasons. I'll send this to you. Called the the Dicks, and they're like like D Y C K, and they're like um, oh the Dykes Dicks, yeah. They're, they're the Mennonites, but uh, what's the the other religion like that in the in the US? Oh, the Amish. Like, yeah, like a like an Amish sort of um thing. You know, you know, every every the big family living on the farm. You know, driving the the horse drawn carriage sort of thing, and yeah, they do a lot of that single entendre humor, very very straight faced. Where what you know, one person's saying something, and the person on the other side's like, "Do you fucking realize what you're saying?" And like, sort of groaning inwardly at every every word. But the guy that delivers it is so good at it. He just does it like with this complete open innocence in his face, like. You know, like he's got no idea what he's saying at all. He's he's quite, yeah, nails it very well. It's it's very puerile. It's very childish humor, but it's still written really, really fucking well. Still, Panther only been around since two thousand and nine. I would have thought they were around for earlier than that. I feel like the <laughs> Boomtang Boomerang is an interesting <laughs> Christ. Oh Jesus! All right, fair enough. Good times. Cool. All right. 47 minutes, you'll never get back. Um, <laughs> much like our podcast. Yeah, look, Puck, there's a lot of a lot of uh a lot of albums that we would rather have that back, so True enough. Cool. All right, dude. Talk to you later. I'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers, man. See ya.